Welcome to the Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Hani Rambod. I'm here with my co-host, Austin, and it's ready for some Q&A time. Yeah, because we have a pretty pretty juicy question people have been asking. I've noticed it quite a, on different platforms, but uh, a lot of people are wondering, as far as FSD7 goes, is that a, is there a big difference versus with enhanced athletes versus non-enhanced athletes, natty versus not? Does that greatly affect it? Can a natural athlete use FST7 in their program or is it just for enhanced? What, what are your takes on that? It's a really good question. Yeah. And I'm getting that more and more as more athletes, both competitive and non-competitive are using FST7 yeah. training systems. It What happens is you're, it's about recovery. So if your recovery is absolutely horrible, don't do FST7. Don't. It's just going to be too intense. If you're going to be sore for four or five days, it's not worth it. If you're on top of your food, you're on top of supplements. And I'm talking about supplements. I'm talking about regular supplements. I'm not talking about hormonal supplements. So some people will always ask, well, what kind of supplements is he talking about? You know, we we use code word super subs. (laughs) (laughs) If you hear super subs, super subs, then you know what we're talking about. Supplements we're not. Right. Super, super subs. Um, And I think ultimately what you have to understand is how good is your recovery? And there's genetic factors, mm-hmm. there's rest factors, there's nutrition factors. So those are the main factors. And then on top of that, you spread on regular supplements that can help, whether they're essential amino acids, taking in protein shakes throughout the day to be able to get also essential amino acids. Uh, some people will like to use BCAAs with glutamine. Again, you can choose what you want, but all of those things help with recovery, but they're not going to be more beneficial than making sure you get enough sleep or missing meals. That's not going to take care of it. Now, if all of those things are set and you want to be able to do FST seven once a week and you're natural twice a week, if you're natural, you're fine. But if you are getting so sore that your body cannot recover in more than in less than three days, you got a problem. Interesting. Okay. So it's very much weighted on that. It's your recovery is all dependent. It's on it. all dependent on recovery. Yeah. It's not whether you're enhanced or not. It's how good is your recovery. Mm. So again, if you're enhanced, your recovery should be better. But if your sleep is shit or your nutrition is shit, doesn't mean that you're going to be able to recover just because you're taking some extra D ball. Yeah. Because people assume that's how it is. You know, like, ah, I don't need to worry about my food or my sleep as much because I have this in my system or whatever it might be that you're still not going to recover. No, it's just if your genetics are really, really good, you're going to have some really good recovery if your food and fuel are really dialed in. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, or if your genetics just aren't there and you just tend to not hold on to muscle very good, very well or put on muscle very easily, then all those things have to be even more in consideration. So again, just go by recovery. So whether you're natty or not, you just have to go by your recovery. If it's taking you a long time to recover, you can't do as much FST7 until you start checking the other boxes. Are you eating your protein sources every three hours? Are you getting enough rest? Are you properly hydrated? All of these things are going to help ultimately your workouts and, and being able to get back in the gym faster. But if you go and you annihilate yourself and you're not able to get back for seven days, that's not good. Don't do FST7. Don't do the intensity multipliers mm-hmm. like the, the partials mm-hmm. and the forced reps and doing all you know the negatives because it's going to tear you up 
Do you think that's kind of like an ego thing that's on that? Because I think that oftentimes people you tote that as kind of a trophy. Like I haven't been able to train legs in nine days. Because yeah, I'm so I think horrible. it's the same thing that we talked yeah. about in the, one of the past episodes where yeah. I said, you know what you're doing is you're adding glass into your shoes yeah. so that you can sit there and see, oh, look at how much my feet bleed. Yeah. No, that is not smart. That's stupid. That's just, you're trying to turn around and create, you know, carry that cross. You're robbing yourself of another productive training session because you can't get back in the gym. Absolutely. And what you need to do is you need to recover. So FSD seven is designed so that you can increase intensity mm -hmm. without even needing a partner. Now, if you have a partner, it can help even further, mm -hmm. but it's designed to be able to really help break plateaus. You can use that on a regular basis and you can use it more often, the faster you can recover. So does it help an enhanced athlete more than a natural athlete? Yes, because you're going to be able to recover faster, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean just because you're natural, you can't use it. You just can't use it that often if you don't recover, period, whether you're enhanced or not. Yeah. So that's just the way it is. Just and, gauge it off your own body. Right. And the other thing that people do wrong is these crazy annihilation workouts. They want to do a preload and reload FSD7, which is basically means that the first exercise is FSD7 and the last exercise is FSD7, but they're also doing these PRs in the middle of the sets on what we consider your foundation base sets in between. So the fundamental workings of FST7 is that in the beginning of the workout, you can use it to get the better mind-muscle connection. Mm -hmm. For example, quads doing extensions and doing FST7 15 to 20 reps, 30 to 45 seconds of rest in between to really get that mind-muscle connection and get that crazy pump so that when you're doing the rest of your other exercises, you really feel the muscle that you're trying to stimulate the most. Mm -hmm. That's what FST7 is about. Then on the base exercises or the foundation exercises in between, you're using more of a hit style where you're doing two working sets. So you may do four sets because two are warm up, but two really hard working sets. And then going back, if you can handle this and you know you're not going to be tore up for five to seven days because you've tried it and you say, hey, look, I, I still recover in two or three days, whether you're enhanced or not, but you can still recover in just a couple of days. Then you can go back and do a reload FSD7. And you go, okay, I'm going to do FST7 for vertical leg press, or I'm going to do it with vertical leg press, and I'm going to add in force reps, or I'm going to add in blood starving sets where you keep your feet upside down mm -hmm. in between sets. All of those exercises are going to just be like, okay, that's going to create even more damage, muscle damage, which is going to mean you're going to create even more muscle gains if you're able to recover from that. I think that's really, really interesting because I was just thinking about that as you're saying it, is that it's, it's are you able to handle the damage? Not are you able to handle the workout? It's like, is your recovery, is your, your foundation able to handle that much damage? Because I think everybody just thinks about going in the gym and every day going as hard as you can. That's kind of the thing is like going as hard as you can, not actually, am I sleeping enough for my body to be able to potentially recover from this and not kill me for the next three weeks? Yeah, so when I sit down and I break down workouts and mm -hmm. how often I work with my clients, it was always in a rhythm where we would not be breaking down those body parts over and over again. Mm -hmm. It was a trigger and then I would fly back or they would come in and we would do one body part per day for the next four days, get all the body parts done, they would fly back. But then obviously they're not going to be able to train like they did with me. So they would go through a kind of a lowering of intensity to some degree. Mm -hmm. And then they would turn around and be able to recover again. And then we would come back and do it all over again. Or we would say, hey, look, there's a big 
leg day coming or there's a big chest day coming and let's focus on these exercises. Let's go ahead and let's really do maybe even a superset or a triset of certain exercises within the FSC seven sets. So if you guys have watched YouTube and you Googled me and you've seen me train multiple athletes throughout the years, the last 20, 25 years that's been on there, you're going to see that there's exercises like a fly to a press to a, some kind of push up, And so it's almost an FSC seven triset. Well, you can't do that every week. So you have to figure out how your rate of recovery is and you have to experiment. And that's why it's so important to write shit down. You have to write shit down and then you track your recovery. And then when you start adding supplements, again, not super supplements, but just supplements and say, did this help me when I added in two or three more scoops of essential amino acids, right? So when you start adding those things in and you said, okay, well, actually it did cut my recovery by one more day. Mm-hmm. I was able to get, you know, the soreness out one day sooner. Yeah, I was going to say, how, how would you track recovery in a way? Write it down. Yeah. You say, okay, how long Actual am I sore? Levels. Exactly. Got it. How, how long yeah. is it going to take before you either go back into the body part again mm-hmm. or that you just are tender? Mm-hmm. Because I've been through this before as a natural bodybuilder my whole life when I was competing up into the ripe old age of 25 until I got hurt really bad, <laughs> tore my ACL, uh, that fateful day in Mexico. Uh, <laughs> we talked about that yes, one in the previous podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> God works in mysterious Go ways. Go back and find so that Mr. one. Mr. Rambod, you will not be a competitive bodybuilder anymore. You will be a coach. You know, the ripe old age of 25. Yeah. That makes me feel like, all right, but yeah. Yeah, it was a ripe old age of 25. I had yeah. to hang it up. But when I tore my ACL and I focused solely on being able to do the coaching, what happened was I realized that many times I was sore for an entire week, a week, especially on legs, mm-hmm. because my recovery wasn't very good. And the reason why my recovery wasn't very good was because the only time my recovery went up, especially as a natural athlete, was when I would compete because I was forced to eat because I was on a diet. And that's why a lot of people go, I like to grow into the show. Well, you, it's because you're actually eating more often. You're on a schedule. You're on a schedule yeah. and you're not eating three or four meals a day. You're eating six. Yeah. You're taking supplements that you normally wouldn't take, whether it's super supplements or regular supplements, same thing. So all of those things help with recovery. So again, super supplements are just, you know, call them what they are, drugs. They're just more construction workers yeah. that can but it's still, they still need that raw material, whether it's the food or the essential amino acids that you're taking as a powder or pill, whatever, all of those things. But if they don't have that raw material, they're not going to be able to build the structures yeah. needed. And I think one of the biggest ones is sleep. Well, sleep is also very, very Huge. important, hundred yeah. percent, but it's really the number one thing is nutrition. Yeah. But if you do not sleep, yeah. it can really screw everything I'm just, up. From what I'm seeing, a lot of people just, people are just not sleeping enough or well, even having good sleep. I think we talked a little bit about it. Yeah, people are over-caffeinated yeah. and they're having problems because of their their screens, yeah. right? But going back to the whole answering the question, yeah. it was really a matter of recovery. It's not a matter if you're natural or not. It's a matter of, are your, is your recovery dialed in enough through all the aspects that we just discussed? Nutrition, rest, and just overall recovery and in general, when I say recovery again, like how fast your shortness goes away. Yeah. So that you're, it's productive. 
it shouldn't be more than three days. Yeah. So it's pretty, you know, it's pretty straightforward, I think. Just but people often see, you know, if you're training pro athletes, really top level bodybuilders, I think sometimes people can write that off as, oh, maybe I can't because I'm uh, you know, natural or whatever it might be. Um, or I do know some people who have tried it and then they are demolished for <laughs> several days and they kind of get scared away from it. Um, but I think that the, just, yeah, the key learning is just make sure that you're recovering. Well, but you know, what's funny is that a lot of people will do that, but they realize if they really break it down, they write everything down. Mm -hmm. The reason why that they were lacking is because of the fact that they didn't eat enough. Mm -hmm. They're not eating as often as they need to. And therefore they're not able to recover. Or again, another good point you made was the sleep. Mm -hmm if they're not sleeping so you need to be able to do all of those things so again fsc7 could be made for natural athletes or enhanced athletes but the bottom line is it all is dependent upon your recovery that's it it's just a give and take that's pretty straightforward yep. yep yeah yep another question was whether or not fsc7 can be used in the off season that was another question that i keep getting hit up with or is it just a pre-contest? It absolutely can be used in the off-season. And the way that I go about building them out programs in the off-season is usually the rep schemes are lower and the weight goes out, goes up. So lower rep scheme, higher amounts of weight. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're even using compound exercises or types of exercises that you can handle more weight. So what you're trying to do overall in the off-season is get your body to a point where you're just stronger so you can use heavier weight. So that even on the FST seven sets, remember they're not pump sets. You're supposed to be working super hard. And I just did a video with Seth Ferrosi and we talked a little bit about different aspects of um, going to failure versus fatigue. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize going to true failure means that you just can't even move your arms anymore. Instead yeah. of just saying, I'm going to fatigue, I'm doing 15 to 20 reps and I'm tired. I'm going to stop now. Yeah. That's not failure. That's to fatigue. Failure means that you're no longer able to move that weight. Oh yeah. You can see it when you, for you have some of the athletes drop down and like hit pushups mm -hmm. after some of the stuff. And even just a pushup, they're like just barely getting a couple inches off the ground. You're like, okay, that's failure. Like they're pushing completely. I don't think a lot of people know the meaning of that. Like you were saying. It's at the end of the day. Yeah. It's about making sure that you're going to true failure. That's how you're going to be able to really break plateaus. And that's how you're going to put on the amount, the maximum amount of size. You're not going to be able to do that with just fatiguing the muscle mm -hmm. at 15 to 20 reps and then stopping. So you're adjusting it to a little bit more of a strength focus in the off season? Absolutely. In a way? Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it. it's that, even though the sets during even the, the base sets during pre-contest yeah. still need to be high in terms of weight because you don't want to make the number one mistake, which is just lighten up your weights. If you do that, you're going to lose size, period, Got it. period. More reps does not make you more cut. Your diet and your cardio will help you get leaner. What's going to help you look the most impressive is holding on to as much muscle as you can and trying to hold on to your strength as far into the program as you can is going to make the biggest difference. Stronger muscles, a bigger muscle. You got it. I've heard that many a time. I'm, <laughs> I'm learning. I'm keeping That's it right. It. I'm turning around, writing it down. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And then, so the other thing I got hit up on was about creatine. Can creatine be used during a cut? Because a lot of people are worried about the look. Water retention. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely, you should be using creatine mm -hmm. during a cut. Only time you should be taking creatine out is if you're trying to really understand if the excess water could be from different things. It's no, you know, whether it's 
super supplements or regular supplements. And if you want to taper some of those things down to see mm-hmm. if it's a water issue or from or just one, not ready or exactly <laughs> because a lot of times it's just, Oh, I'm holding water. Yeah. I'll take no, a water pill. And it's like, no dude, you're not, not ready. Yeah. You're just not ready. Yeah. So, but at the end of the day, creatine is going to do what? Increase strength. That's right. Yep. And maintain strength. Mm-hmm. So you want that to be able to hold on to as much muscle as possible. Mm-hmm. So why would you take it in the off season and stop taking it during pre-contest? Uh, it's just because of that long, that long time people have always said like, oh, you take a little bit of creatine instantly blow up or gain a bunch of water. So I think that that's just a crazy fear that people have that they're just going to, that taking that one thing out is just going to, you know, like instantly shred them down. <laughs> yeah. I get the question all the time. Should I cut out my creatine during prep? No, you shouldn't. You should try to keep it on in as long as you can. Yeah. That's going to make a big difference in terms of your overall strength, which is going to also make sure to try to keep as much of that muscle sticking. Yeah. People will look there, but they won't look at sodium or whatever else might be in like, you know, influencing the water gain or whatever it might be. But yeah, that's, that's, I've heard that so many times. Yeah. Another good question was regarding sodium actually was, should I cut back my sodium Mm -hmm. while I'm cutting? No. You shouldn't because your body is going to secrete sodium at a higher level and a faster um, turn rate because you're doing cardio. And so therefore you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't cut back your sodium. Now, if you're going to do that as part of your prep and peak week, Mm -hmm. absolutely. There's going to be some manipulation of sodium going on. So again, every coach has their own methodologies and sometimes it's not the exact same. Like I prepped the same athlete so many different ways, whether it's cutting their sodium a little bit more, being a little bit more restrictive or a little less restrictive, depending on what I learned from the prior prep or where I think their body's at and what their chemistry is like. So if they are holding a little bit more, or if they're doing something where I have to be a little bit more aggressive with cutting back sodium or making sure that they're starting to flatten out too much and keeping the sodium in longer or at a higher level, I do that because I listen to the body and I take notes. You're taking other things into account. A hundred percent. I'm taking a lot of different things into account. So you have to think steps ahead. It's like chess, right? You have to think steps ahead. It's not just the move that you're making now. It's what can be able to be triggered by your body Mm -hmm. to try to counteract whatever move that you're making, that it's trying to create some type of homeostasis. It's Mm -hmm. trying to balance itself out. So you have to turn around and be able to say, okay, how do I get into deeper uh, body fat levels being taken away and getting some of that marbling off because somebody hadn't gotten a little too heavy in the off season or what are they trying to do? How do I turn around and get deeper into those body fat stores? How am I supposed to be able to do that? Am I going to do two, two sessions? Am I going to go deeper in one session? Am I going to take two sessions of cardio? Am I going to cut the carbs a little bit more? Am I going to take the overall calories down a little bit more? Am I going to increase the stimulants? All of these things are factors that you have to decide. And it's all about being able to try to dial all of those things in. And there's no one word answer that's going to be able to be one size fits all cookie cutter thing. And the people that do do that tend to not be able to really nail it all the time. But if you understand it, then you're going to be able to really kind of ratchet down the nice, you know, the niceties of, okay, let me just do a little quarter turn on the carbs. Let me go ahead and be able to increase cardio just a little bit here Mm -hmm. and understand what the body does. How did you trigger a response? What was that response? Taking mental note of that and then turn around and be able to take it now a a week further. How is that body responding? What was I looking for? What were those visual cues? Mm -hmm. So again. Yeah, but we all know why people say that as far as when it comes to sodium is because it's just so much easier to be like, "Ah, I was holding water. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but that's just <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I just, I've, I've seen people completely, like from the beginning of prep, remove all sodium completely. 
Like oh yeah, I've seen that too. And I'm, then then they too. complain about not being able to get a pump. Yeah, they can't fill out or whatever. I'm like, well, well, and again, some people do that and yeah. they go, oh man, I cut my sodium, and I just go, okay. And I know they didn't because they're taking a bunch of supplements. <laughs> so they're like regular supplements. And I'm like, okay, well, 3D's got this much sodium in it. Extreme's got this much sodium in it. Uh, a protein shake's got this much sodium in it. So as much as they're not adding in a ton of table salt, they are still getting a ton of sodium yeah. or, or some amount of sodium through other supplements. So at the end of the day, you're going to get some natural sodium from food, but you're also going to get sodium that's been added in on ter- in terms of Himalayan pink, uh, Himalayan salt or something that's been in some of the ingredients in the actual supplements themselves. Yeah. There you go. Be smart people. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. again, people try to just be extreme and do stupid shit. But, um, but those are all good questions. They're all good questions. Yeah. So, okay. That was the FSD seven wrap up guys. I just wanted to quickly address the FSD seven. Can you do it if you're natural? Absolutely. So again, Honey Rambod and Austin, and that's the truth.